You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Braves postcast for the Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastriani with you after another great night for the Braves. Another comeback was up their sleeve against their division rival, the New York Mets. And just like that, the Braves won themselves a series as they were able to come back in dramatic fashion for a 7-5 win over New York on Wednesday night at Truist Park. A lot to get into in this one, as they say, a lot to unpack from this win for the Braves. But securing a series victory was exactly what Atlanta wanted out of this matchup. And now they have a chance for a sweep through the Braves behind Spencer Strider on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go on here in the Braves postcast as well. Before we get started with that, though, I want to remind you, subscribe to Lockdown Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube. Click the bell, get notified every time we drop a new episode. And make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Braves wherever you get your podcast and wherever you're seeing the show. We appreciate you sharing it with a friend. And, of course, go ahead and hit that like button if you're a fan of comeback wins. Jake, are you a fan of comeback wins? I am a big fan of comeback wins. This is a fun way to watch a game of baseball. The Braves want to do this every time out. I am certainly okay with it because this is a fun game to watch. Yeah, I think Braves fans always enjoy it when Atlanta scores more runs than the other team. And for that, we're going to park all of the uh, general specifics, as Michael Scott would call them, and kind of get into what made this game so good for Atlanta. And I do think it is, Jake, to to put all the jokes aside, building on some momentum of uh, kind of becoming or showing that they are still that team that we expected to have those kind of comebacks, to get those big hits, to do the things that they've done over the last five years in winning the National League East. And of course, all the way through October back in 2021, this felt a lot more like the Atlanta Braves. And really it has since that Arizona series, to be honest. Yeah, we've been talking about it. It's the momentum that they've had right now. I mean, as you said, this feels like that team, again, specifically on the offensive side of things where it's everybody contributing and you just feel like you're never out of a game with this offense right now. And that's what we've come to expect from this team over the last, you know, four or five years now since they started this run is that they're never out of a game. And you're seeing that right now with these comeback wins. Yeah, Brian Snitker said it time and again, this is a club that, if they have a strike, if they have an out left, whatever it is, they feel like they do have a chance if they can keep the game close. And the Braves were able to do that yet again tonight. And it's not a, the same player that's carrying the team. It's not just Ron Lacuna Jr. and, a, and a, a cast of characters. It is a very deep Braves lineup. And a lot of guys came through with big hits, including Ronald Lacuna Jr. in Wednesday's victory as they were able to rough up Max Scherzer. Let's jump inside the box score of this one. Game number 61 for the club. Mets dropped to two games under 500 as their losing streak reaches five in a row. I believe I heard that's the fir- the longest losing streak they've had in a couple of years now. Uh, so they're 30 and 32, five runs, six hits, an error, and six men left on base. The five runs, the most that they've scored in a single game in a week. Braves, though, 37 and 24 with their seven runs on 14 hits. No errors, seven men left on base for Atlanta. Nick Anderson, the win in relief with a scoreless eighth inning. Brooks Raley uh, took the loss as he was... Uh, roughed up by Atlanta late in the game as the comeback was taking place. A.J. Minter locked down his eighth save. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I thought that's an intriguing storyline from this one. Two hours, 54 minutes time a game, 40,178 enthusiastic patrons at Truist Park as the Braves were trying to battle in this game. Charlie Morton was the guy that started it out, didn't get out of the fifth inning in this one. That's kind of unlike Charlie, but a little bit of wildness, a little bit of the long ball, some things that just weren't going his way. Four and two-thirds, four hits, four earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts, two home runs allowed, 107 pitches, Jake, with two outs in the fifth. You could understand, even if you don't want to have to get into your bullpen in the fifth inning, this was one of those nights where it seemed like if the Braves wanted to keep it right where it was, 
they needed to go ahead and hit that button, and that's what Brian Snitker did. Yeah, it certainly felt like that with Charlie Morton. I mean, he knows that everybody knows it with this Mets lineup. They're going to work you to death. They're going to make you come in the zone. And Charlie Morton knows you're going to go up against this Mets lineup. You got to have good command of all your pitches or else they will work you to death and they were ta- they will take their walks and four walks two home runs i mean that is a recipe for disaster against this mets team you got to make them string some hits together and score on you that way you can't give them the free passes and charlie knows that this braves team knows that but just wasn't able to execute those pitches on this night and as you said 107 pitches through those four and two-thirds innings it again felt like the time you almost could have got out of there you tried to get them yeah. through that fifth inning then had some more two out trouble which is been a problem for the Braves pitching staff here lately. They've given a lot of two-out runs here over the last week, but couldn't quite get through that fifth inning, something he hasn't done in a long time now. He's been on a good stretch of starts, but unfortunately those walks, those high pitch counts against this Mets team, it it can uh, end up burning you out as it did Morton in this one. Yeah, it did. This is the first time this season that he was unable to make it through at least five for this club. The bullpen, though, Jake, they stepped up and did it again. Four and a third innings, two hits. Just one run allowed. We'll talk a little bit about that. A couple of walks, same pitcher for that, for the runs as well. And a couple of strikeouts. A shaky seventh inning by Kirby Yates. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. really saved his bacon with the bases loaded. A leaping catch against the wall. Saved at least one, if not two runs, uh, beyond just the one that scored on what ended up being a sacrifice fly. Ronald also had a big hit in this game, and we'll get to some of the offensive exploits. But, man, he just seems to find himself right where the Braves need him more times than not. Yeah, there's a couple of really big plays in this game. One I know we'll talk about on the offensive side, but this to me was one of the big, if not the biggest play of the game because it completely changed everything. If that ball gets down and hits the wall and the Mets take the lead, then the the bullpen decision for the eighth inning might have been different. You might not have seen Nick Anderson. You might have seen a different pitcher, and then maybe the the Mets add on some runs there. So that's just a huge play to catch that ball and help bail out Kirby Yates, who did walk a couple of batters there in that inning. Again, something you can't do to this Mets lineup, but something they're really great at but to just limit them to the one run and keep the game tied. I mean, that was absolutely huge because it really affected the way the rest of that game played out. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Braves offense. Then we'll get to how this game closed out with AJ Minter getting the call there. Uh, The Braves were able to rally in this one down four to one to Max Scherzer, who struck out 10 on this night. The Braves were able to just start carving and, and chipping away at this lead Two run Homer by Sean Murphy really got the Braves back into it, made it a one run game. Michael Harris, the second, had a game-tying single. Ronald Acuna Jr. had a go-ahead hit in the fifth inning as the Braves, or excuse me, in the sixth inning as the Braves were able to go ahead briefly on Scherzer and the Mets. Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers in baseball or has been for a long time. He's going to the Hall of Fame. There's really no question about that at this point. The active strikeout leader, his accolades are many, multiple Cy Youngs. The Braves have managed to have his number quite a few times, and even on a night where it looked like he was pretty dialed in, he was getting his strikeouts. The Braves were still able to do some damage and put together some innings and utilize the long ball a little bit themselves, which we know the Braves are capable of doing that. 11 hits against Max Scherzer in this game, and the Braves met the Mets in this one. They had a lot of infield singles, especially in that fourth inning there, some weak uh, hits, but you'll take them however you get them. But I just love the way that they grinded these at-bats because through the first three innings there, I mean, especially the Mets got up 2-0 and the way that Scherzer was pitching – uh, you Again, if you hadn't watched the Braves of the last three days, you might have thought this one was over with the way that Scherzer was going, but the Braves continued to battle. They did put the ball in play there in that fourth inning. We were able to scratch a run across, and that felt good because 
2-1 game at that point. And again, as you said, you know with this Braves lineup, they're capable of running into one, especially given that many outs left to play with. But they did more than that. They came back in the fifth inning, scored two, scored two in the sixth, and then two in the eighth as well to come back and win this game. So again, it's just this offense is relentless right now. And it's somebody as good as Scherzer, you give them enough at-bats, enough opportunities, they just kind of grind it out and are able to put something together. Yeah, Tommy Pham with a two-run homer in the fifth inning that brought home Francisco Lindor is what put the Mets up by that 4-1 score. Immediate answer, though, or pretty close to immediate, I guess, an inning later. Sean Murphy with his 12th home run of the year. It looks like he might be on path for a new career high in home runs. I believe 18 last year with Oakland is the high for him. I think Sean Murphy's going to get a few more than those. Uh, and that one off Max Scherzer in the fifth made it a 4-3 game. Michael Harris is second with the RBI double. That brought home Orlando Arcia, and then Harris was right on around to score as well when Ronald Acuna Jr. came through with the go-ahead single, that in the sixth inning. Uh, as you mentioned, you don't see too many double-digit hit days against Max Scherzer, but the Braves, they have enjoyed themselves more than a lot of teams have against Mad Max. And then you, you get into that seventh inning, Tommy Pham sacrifice fly. And that may be, if you look at the box score, the most boring way to define what that play was because Ronald Acuna Jr., Leaping against the wall, if there is any question remaining in his mind or anybody else's about what he chooses to do defensively or if he's worried a little bit about having to go back for a ball over his head near the wall on the warning track, there have been some plays this year, Jake, that I think should erase any and all doubt that Ronald is capable of playing a very good right field. Especially going back on the baseball, he has been just tremendous, and especially in, against that right field wall in Truist Park. I mean, he's made, I think, at least three, at if least. not four, leaping catches against that wall at Truist Park now. So there's you know, really no question in my mind he's a plus defender, even if some of the analytics don't say so, especially if you include his arm out there, what he's doing right now is just incredible and then him and Michael Harris you he had a great catch in center field in this game yep. as well I mean uh, the outfield defense right now looking really sharp especially in center and right field so no real worries for me about Acuna Jr. Uh, he has definitely looked good and again as you said the confidence to go back on those baseballs which is how that injury occurred uh, again I feel like there's no worries right now with Acuna and that knee he seems to be completely fine and healthy and trusting that knee. Yeah, if the offensive exploits weren't already kind of underscoring that over and over and then highlighting it in every different color in the rainbow to let you know that, hey, this this guy's he's doing pretty well, he's pretty healthy, he's feeling pretty good about himself, those plays in right field, I mean, all kidding aside, you just you want to see him be able to affect the game in all phases because he's a legitimate five-tool player, no question about that. Now, another guy who has been a five-tool player since winning the Rookie of the Year last year was Michael Harris II. You mentioned he had a great catch in this game. He had three hits in this game, and, you know, None was bigger. His day started with a bunt single. Then he kind of upped it to a go-ahead double, or excuse me, game-tying double. Then he went into go-ahead home run mode late. He crushed one out to center field off Adam Adovino. We've talked a lot about how hard Michael's been working. I've been asked a lot on Twitter, on every radio call-in I've done recently. I mean, when, when should we panic about Michael Harris? Should we panic about him? Should the Braves do something about center field? And I've, my answer has been the same. The talent is there. The swing is there. The work ethic is there. He's going to figure it out. It's just been a weird start-stop kind of season for him. And the work that he's put in, especially over the past week, and the results we started to see at late last homestand throughout the road trip, just kind of, I felt like, and a night like this is a great indicator, so I'm not trying to you know, reframe the whole conversation that I knew it was going to happen tonight, but it just felt like he was on the right path. We've been saying it for a while now. You could kind of see that it was coming. And even, you know, I've done deep dives on it on the podcast. And you look at the analytics and everything is pretty much the same from what it was last year. Just not 
quite getting the results. You wonder if maybe mentally there were some confidence things going on there or not. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not Michael Harris, but uh, I like what he said after the game. You don't think it's Marcelo Zuna as a leader, right. but he, he really credited Ozuna for encouraging him and just letting him know he is a really good player and that he's going to get it going. So uh, big shout outs to Ozuna there for being a leader. Everybody's looking for wanting to know who that leader is. I wouldn't have guessed Ozuna there, but I mean, we know we know the talent is there. You all knew it was coming. It was just a question of of when and if it was going to take, you know, whatever it was going to take to get him there. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, all the work that he's put in, but really glad to see him come through because honestly, last night did not look very good until that last swing. And that's kind of what Ozuna told him. He says, your yeah. season starts after that at bat and really carried it into this night, got the bunt single to start it. I thought that was mm -hmm. great as well, just to get one on the board and then just kind of continued it from there. Yeah. It really was just a building process. And for anybody that missed that, you know, I was just listening to Michael, just discuss it with Kelly crawl of Valley sports. I mean, what exactly his mindset has been because you know, he's been through the ringer. I mean, even as we sit here and look, he's hitting 181 after his three hit day. So he's aware on the, what, 60 or 70-foot screen that they've got in center field of just about every stadium. You know what you walk up there hitting. You know what the count is. You know what you did in your last three at-bats. I mean, everything is just kind of there. It feels like I'm sure it's magnified. But a little thing like a line drive and having somebody come over and kind of instill that confidence, it was really fun to watch. You know, Marcel and Michael clearly had a moment in the dugout there where there was like a, just a lot more than a high five. They were really, I, I think, uh, it just – connected on what that little bit of advice from a veteran player gave to Michael Harris, just to kind of, I don't know, verify a little bit, you know, make, give it a little bit of that, uh, you know, seal of, Hey, everybody's been through this. I mean, Marcel certainly went through it in April. Sometimes it's just nice to have somebody that sees where you are, where you've been and knows where you can go and lets you know just that. So uh, as we talk a little bit more about this game, I want to get into AJ Minter closing this thing out. And of course we're going to preview game three of the series, which comes your way on Thursday at Truist Park, but I got to let you know that this episode of the Braves Postcast is sponsored by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable, functional, versatile shorts you'll ever find. They feel great. They fit great. Try them out. Find out for yourself. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB. Enter the promo code LockedOnMLB, and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Uh, so AJ Minter is a guy that we've talked about quite a bit and kind of in the same vein of Michael Harris, where you know how valuable he is. You know how important he is and, and, and should be throughout the, throughout the course of the rest of the season for the Braves. He was the guy called on. They wanted to stay away from Rysel Iglesias and make sure that he was available for that third and final game of that series. And with a two-run lead and A.J. kind of starting to build some momentum, he was put in that ninth inning. And I thought, Jake, he turned back the clock and looked like the guy we saw last year, the guy we've seen throughout October for the last, I believe, three years running now. And he is really on a roll here. Five and a third innings of hitless ball, one walk, six strikeouts in his last six appearances. He's got a hold. He's got a win. He's got a save. He looks a lot more like the A.J. Mentor we expected to see. I honestly don't know that I saw one bad pitch from A.J. Mentor in this outing. Even the one the night before, he made a couple mistakes with the cutter over the plate, that one that Lindor took and one that McNeil fouled off. This tonight, I mean, he was dotting the fastball on the edges, got a big strikeout of Nemo. I mean, this was looked like vintage mentor to me. And we talked yesterday about the fact that Snicker threw him out there in a big situation against the top of the order in a one-run game in the mm -hmm. eighth inning, just showing that confidence that he has in him. And then to come back the next night and give him a save opportunity against the top of the order, I mean – I think that tells you all you need to know about where at least Brian Snicker feels about A.J. Minter right now. He feels like he's back to being that high-leverage guy. And if that's the case, 
this Braves bullpen is in great shape because we know how good you talked about it yesterday. One of the best reliever seasons we've ever seen from a Braves reliever last year from AJ mm-hmm. Minter. So when he can be that type of guy, it really makes this a shutdown back of the bullpen. Iglesias had pitched three of the past four days, so obviously want to give him a little rest there. And as you said, hopefully keep him fresh as the Braves try to go for a series sweep tomorrow. Yeah, and I know a lot of people were wondering maybe, well, why did Kirby Yates get that opportunity in the seventh? Yates had pitched a lot better lately. This was clearly a bad night for him. No two ways about it. He invited some trouble with a couple of walks, which was not really what his game was prior to the Tommy John surgery. But I talked to Kirby about a week or so ago, and he said, I know that the command's kind of the last thing that comes back for you when you go through that Tommy John surgery. And he's well aware of it. And unfortunately for the Braves, they had Ron Lacuna Jr. in right field who was able to minimize the damage in that frame. But the reason why you saw Kirby Yates there was because A.J. was being saved for the literal save opportunity to close out that game. Nick Anderson did his job in the eighth inning. And all's well that ends well when you score more runs than the other guys, and you can kind of reevaluate things as you go along. But uh, a very good night for Minter. One other note in this game we saw very early on, in fact, the first inning for the Mets, Pete Alonso hit by a pitch uh, by Charlie uh, Morton. It was a 96.5-mile-an-hour fastball to the left wrist. X-rays were negative. I know that we talked a little bit about the chirping that was going on between these two teams, and Alonso was kind of the guy that started all of that. You never want to see anybody get hurt. Thankfully, this is something that, uh, should be just a contusion, according to the Mets, and shouldn't keep him out of lineup for very long. If, in fact, it keeps him out at all, he could be back in there for the finale. Yeah, glad it's nothing serious for him and he's able to get back in there. He's having a great year with all the home runs, so I certainly don't want to see any good players go down. Hated to hear the news on Jacob deGrom yesterday as well. Yeah. He's having a second Tommy John and out. You just hate to hear that, but... Yeah, I hate to you know hate the way that it happened with Alonzo. Obviously, no intent there. If you go and watch, I mean, obviously there was no intent by Charlie Morton or any kind right. of retribution for what happened yesterday. I don't think anybody really thought that, but just hated the way that it went down. And uh, you know, glad that it wasn't anything serious. Yeah, fortunately not. And fortunately for the Braves, they were able to win where it counts. And it ain't the getting even with the other guy column. It's the win column, the run column, if we want to be more specific, which gets you into that win column as well. Braves now best record in the National League, just ahead of those Arizona Diamondbacks in Atlanta. A three-game lead on, are you ready for this? The red-hot Miami Marlins, who won again. That's six in a row for them. I know they're kind of taking advantage of a little weak part in their schedule, but that's what you're supposed to do. And the Marlins are, I think, a a much-improved team, we're finding, this year than they were a year ago. They had some injuries and some other things that haven't gone right. They really haven't gotten Sandy Alcantara going in the way that he was a year ago. So it's going to be an interesting National League East race. Let's just throw that out there. Let's also focus on game three. It happens on Thursday at Truist Park. It'll be Spencer Strider, 6-2 and two, at 297 ERA against Justin Verlander, 2-3, and three, ERA of 425. He missed some significant time on the injured list early on, but uh, when you write him up, Jake, I mean, you're looking at two guys known as great strikeout pitchers. Verlander, one of the best right-handers of this generation, and Spencer Strider certainly making his case. This should be a lot of fun to watch. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Possibly a lot of strikeouts in this one. Not going to go out on a limb here, but uh, I think there's probably going to be some swings and misses. Should be a fun one again. You take the first two, so you feel really good going into this third third one. You got a chance to sweep it with your ace on the mound and Spencer Strider. But either way, just should be a fun baseball matchup between these two guys. New young gun coming up and an old veteran who is still Cy Young worthy, as we saw last year. So should be a lot of fun. Hopefully the Braves can get to Verlander the way they got to Scherzer on Wednesday night. That certainly would be helpful. The Braves now are cobbling together a little bit of a winning streak for themselves after some disappointment out in Arizona. Meanwhile, the Mets 
And they're on a little bit of a losing streak, and the Braves would like to add one more to that. As Spencer Strider goes to the mound looking for win number seven of the year, he matches up with the veteran righty Justin Verlander. 7.20 p.m. Eastern time is the first pitch from Truist Park. That'll bring us to the end of this edition of the Braves postcast. As always, we appreciate you riding along with us after each and every Braves game that we can possibly bring you one of these. That's what we aim to do. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta and hit the notification bell so you get that alert every time we drop a new episode. And make sure if you enjoy the show or if you're just here for the first time or if you're here every single night, we appreciate you hitting that like button. And also make sure you tell a friend because we want to keep this show growing and make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcasts as well. Once again, another comeback victory for the Braves. This makes, what, three in a row for Atlanta, dating back to Sunday in Arizona, then back-to-back wins over the Mets, and a chance for a sweep for the Braves after their 7-5 win on Wednesday. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time here on the Braves Postcast. And until then, so long. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 